Hello, Michael. Can you hear me, sir? Sister Yvette, can you hear me? Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. We're going to get started here in a few moments. Uh, Facebook has been giving me some serious problems today. They have not wanted me to share anything. They have not wanted me to post anything. So we're going to try in a few moments here to connect there. Sister Ingrid, hello. Family, I think tonight Facebook is not going to let me go live. Interesting. Mm. I'll give it a few more moments. See if it does anything. starter with what we have we're gonna have a good study tonight I am looking forward yeah I don't know Facebook actually today Facebook has been doing something very interesting it won't let me share anything with anyone so if I try to share like a funny thing with my wife it won't let me share with her with her it won't let me share anything only the thing I can do is type something in on my page and that's the only thing that's allowed. But I can't broadcast there. I can't put my podcast up there. Uh, so they have really... Mm -hmm. Somebody lied on me somewhere. So I, I've put in a little complaint, if you will. We'll see what they do to if they would release, uh, release me to be able to share again. But that's why we can't just have all our eggs in one basket, right? So... 
uh, since you guys aren't here, let's do this. I'm going to see if I can. Sister Ingrid, I'm going to put you as a panelist. Let's see, Brother Michael. Let's promote the panelists. So what I'm doing, uh, if you guys want to share your camera, I could see you guys. And we can have a more personal study tonight. If you want to share your camera, if not, you can stay hidden. And if you want to say something during the study tonight, you can. Um, so you can take your, your mics off of mute and then we could share together that way as well. So hopefully you're hearing what I'm saying and we can do our study together. All right. All right, well, let's get ready. Let's, let's get ready to study. Uh, let's bow our heads. Let's ask God's Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide as we are about to dig in. Let me see here real quick. Something has happened. Uh, one moment. And a little bit of a issue here. So tonight we're going to Daniel 6. The okay. No problem, Sister Yvette. The image of the beast explained. All right. Start now. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer and let's let's get started. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your grace and mercy. We want to thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what your dear son does. And Lord, as we're about to study our Bibles, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the only effectual teacher of truth. We ask for this, not because we are worthy, but because your dear son is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So it looks like no one wants to do this. So I will change everyone back to attendees. <laughs> All right. So we are in Daniel 6. And this is actually going to be a really good study uh, as far as I'm concerned. I really like the stories in the Bible because the stories in the Bible simplify the great teachings of Scripture, right? So sometimes the great teachings of Scripture, they seem to have all these details, seems to have us going all over the place. But the reality is the teachings of Scripture are actually quite simple, and they're told in story format. And so by God's grace, as we are going through the story format, I want you to think carefully with me because we're going to see things that we have not seen 
before, or we're going to see things that we've seen before, but just in a more amplified way. So we are in Daniel chapter six, and we're looking at verse number one. The Bible says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them and the king should have no damage. Okay, so we're going to state the obvious of what we see so far in the text. The text is clearly saying that Daniel is the head of all the leaders, except for the king himself. Daniel has been in a position, is put in a position of great influence and responsibility. And I find this quite interesting because Daniel, as a young man, comes in as a teenager and begins to ascend in his position of influence in the kingdom. And even in transition of power, when Babylon falls, the king, the new kings that come in recognize something about Daniel. We're going to look at that in a moment. They recognize something about Daniel that puts Daniel in a place where he is now a ruler, even in the transition of a new kingdom. So Daniel has to be in his 60s, 70s, 80s when this transition of kingdoms takes place. He is an old man. Let's see. 70 years, he was taken at 16, so he's about 86 years old. He's about 86 years old in this transition of, of kingdoms, and he's in this position of power. So I think what I love about the book of Daniel is it takes you through the journey of this young man from a teenager to his olden golden ages, and in every age, there's faithfulness. And that's good news for all of us, right? Some of us are older, some of us are younger. But in every age, faithfulness is available to all God's children. And if we, are, if, if we hold on to God, no matter what the situation, no matter what the crisis, faithfulness to God can be demonstrated. Now, with that in mind, let's keep reading for a moment here. His responsibility, just keep this, watch this. Daniel's responsibility had it such that everybody reported to him and his position was to protect the king from damage. So if you have somebody that's got your back, that's protecting you from damage, what do you think that relationship is like? Daniel must have had a deep abiding relationship with the king. Very key. Daniel had a deep abiding relationship with the king. Now, verse three. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, remember, we talked about the excellent spirit. This is not an ordinary excellent spirit. This excellent spirit being spoken of is the spirit of the Holy Ghost. We see that the pagans recognize the Holy Ghost inside of Daniel in nearly every chapter in this book. Whether it's in Daniel 6, whether it's in Daniel chapter 5, whether it's in Daniel chapter 4, each time the spirit of the Holy Gods is in him. Each time an excellent spirit is in Daniel. These chapters highlight the characteristics of all those who will be living in the final hours of earth's history. All of God's children will be full of the Holy Ghost. All of God's children will have an excellent spirit. And watch this now. 
It says in verse 4, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, my friends, this is going to be one of the key points I'm going to come back to near the end because we're going to make a, I have, I've, I've created a chart. I wanted you guys to see it in a few moments, but I've created a chart that makes a comparison for those who, Daniel's time, uh, our time, uh, and also Daniel chapter three as well. So I have a parallel between Daniel three, Daniel six, and then our day. And you're going to see exactly what, why this all fits together. But think about this for a moment. Here are men who are the enemies of Daniel who literally looked through the very, very small nuances of Daniel's life and they can't find anything wrong. They can't find a sin in Daniel. They can't find a lie in Daniel. They can't find Daniel uh, uh, cheating on his taxes. If there was internet, they would find that Daniel went, didn't go anywhere he wasn't supposed to go. Daniel's record was pure and clean. Are you following, my friends? Daniel's life reflected his deep abiding relationship with the Most High because the only way you and I can have a clean, pure, holy life is if we are vitally connected with God. You'll notice that this is a recurring theme in all of our talks, whether we're talking about family, whether we're talking about prophecy, whether we end up talking about business, whatever it is, we cannot have vibrancy in any of these areas without a vital living connection with the Most High. So important. So important. Now, they can't find anything in Daniel, can't find anything wrong with him. I'm going to show you something. Go with me to the book of Psalms, the 37th division of Psalms. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Psalms 37, and we're looking at verse number 28. Psalms 37 and verse 28. And my friends, this passage that I'm sharing with you becomes super key when we start applying Bible prophecy in Daniel 7 and Daniel 8, those, those chapters that are coming. Watch this. Watch the undergrading principle here. Verse 28 says, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. So tell me real quickly, what is the emotion of God, the thought of God when it comes to judgment? According to this verse, the verse said, for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. Judgment is in the heart of the gospel. Judgment is in the heart of the gospel. It is not something that's separate. It's not something that's supposed to give fear to the believer. It is something that, that gives us favor in the eyes of God. Watch this. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, 
and his tongue talketh of judgment. Interesting. The mouth, watch what it says. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Verse 32, very key to our study tonight. The wicked watcheth the righteous. What does the wicked do, my friends? The wicked watcheth the righteous. And it says, seeketh to slay him. So I'm going to pause there for a moment. So the wicked watch the righteous. That's what they do. If you claim that you are a believer, that you are a Christian, that you are a follower of the Most High, the wicked are watching. And they're watching not because they're interested for the sake of being interested. They're watching for the sake of destruction. They want to wipe you out. They want to silence your voice. They want to minimize your influence. I remember one time. I remember one time, my family member, I won't say which one, my family member was with me in the car, and apparently, I didn't know what was going on, but the family member began to kind of poke at me, only like a family member could, right? So there are certain things that worldly folks can do, and that won't bother you none. They do what they do. They, they are who they are. But a family member was poking at me, and they, they had grown up around me, so they knew exactly what to do. They knew exactly what button to push <laughs> in order to get me to respond. And I was doing real good. I was, like, I was maintaining. I was like, I'm not going to respond. I am not going to respond. I am not going to. And I was like, you better. And then when I, <laughs> when I responded in a way that was not Christ-like, the person turned to me and said, I knew you were just like me. Did you hear what I said? They literally said, I knew you were just like me. Now, of course, brothers and sisters, we are just like everyone else to a certain extent. But the Christian, the Christian, when they are connected with the Most High, the Bible says that we are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There is an expectation that folks have when they look at us. Now, that's not to say, brothers and sisters, that we don't make mistakes, that we don't stumble and fall at times, but there is another level. And the reason why we stumble and fall is it has to do with ignorance, all right? It has to do with ignorance to a large degree, and it has to do with our will being put on the side of Christ's will that goes together. But let's go a little further with this. I, I want us to to process this a little bit further. The wicked watch the righteous. They are looking for an opportunity to find fault with us, to bring us down. And if that's the case, if you and I already know that, if you, are, if you and I already know that they're looking for an opportunity to make us out to be hypocrites, then what manner of person ought we to be in living in this world righteously and godly, brothers and sisters? Because at the end of the day, the gospel, when it goes to the world, it will not simply be by me preaching, right, into a microphone or standing behind a pulpit or handing out a track. The gospel will go to the world when our lives reflect our message. Mm. The gospel goes to the world with great power when our lives reflect our message, when they are one in the same. They are cohesive. There is a unit there. Now, 
let's take it a little bit further. I want to show you something else. Go back with me to the book of Daniel. Back to the book of Daniel. Notice these men are interested in finding fault. Okay. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So notice there's a man-made law with the intent of entrapping the faithful believer. There's a man-made law with the intent of entrapping the faithful believer. This story is a prototype. <laughs> it is prophetic. It's letting us know in some areas in the world, when this law is passed, it will be passed against the believers. It's not just going to be something that somebody is accidentally doing or no, there is a plan. There is an intent to silence conviction and to silence the voice of God through those who are seeking to do God's will. Okay. Watch, stay with me on this. Now, back to Daniel two, watch this. I mean, Daniel six, back to Daniel six. So they're making a law and they're going to make the law against the law of his God because they can't find fault with him in his regular life. He's just doing the right thing. Folks cannot find any issue with him. Then it says, verse six, then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king. So now you have world leaders, influencers coming together to the most powerful person in the world at that time, which is the king. And they are unified in their desire to destroy the faithful. Are you following? This is in the story of Daniel 6. In other words, we're reading this story, but this story is actually a prophecy telling us what's all about to happen in our world. Watch carefully. Then it says, verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, again, here's another principle that hopefully you're following me with here. These persons are flattering the king, not telling their true intent when they are presenting this law, for the king had a great and deep affiliation for, for, for Daniel, affinity for Daniel, but they didn't say, hey, this law is designed to take out Daniel. They didn't say, hey, this law is designed to take out one of the best men in the kingdom. Nope, they didn't do that. What they did was they designed the law with the intent to take out Daniel, but hid the real purpose of the law. This reminds me of the story of Esther. Remember the story of Esther and Mordecai? You remember Mordecai never really said 
at least in initial stages when he he promoted this the law that was to be passed. Mordecai never said this law would be against the Jews. He never said that. He said he described the characteristics of of the of the Jews supposedly that they were in rebellion, and he described them, but he never said their name. And their name or the, or who they were didn't come out until Esther stood before the king and kind of exposed, um, not Mordecai, uh, Haman, Haman, exposed Haman for what he was, right? So Haman's lying to the king, kind of cloaking his suggestion to the king, saying there are some unfaithful ones in your kingdom and we should pass a law, but that, he never says the name. And then he's exposed when Esther. Now, the reason why this is important because the laws that will be passed in the last days against God's people will go in darkness, just like in this story. They're passing this law in darkness. In other words, it's cloaked. It's not, it's not being presented in its true light. So notice again the story. The king is being flattered. That's why, friends, you can't, you can't have people around you just bigging you up all the time. Sometimes you got to listen to straight testimony. Sometimes you got to have somebody come in your life and tell you the truth. Tell you the truth. Make it clear. Make it plain so that that correction can come into your experience so that we can grow. Can you hear me now? So we cannot hear you. Oh, how long have you not been hearing me? Three minutes. Okay. All right. So let me let me back up three verses. <laughs> what's what's the last thing you heard? Esther. Okay. So let me, all right, let me back up to Esther. All right. So Esther, so Esther is before the King. And the reason let's, let me pray again, because a little distraction father in heaven. Thank you so much for the privilege of being able to study. Uh, thank you for the patience of the saints as they were trying to communicate to me that they could not hear. I pray father for more of your spirit, that these points be made more vivid and more clear to our hearts. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so yeah, so back up. So Esther, 
is with the king and Haman is in darkness seeking to pass a law against the Jews, but he never says the name of the Jews. He never says the name of, of who this law is being passed against, okay? He never says it. It's not exposed until Esther stands up and communicates the reality of what is going on. Now, why does that become important? It becomes important because just like in the story of Esther, so it is in the story of Daniel, where Daniel and or these men are passing a law with this king, not really telling the king what's going on, okay? This becomes important because in the last days, the same thing begins to happen in our time. There are laws being put in place even now, my friends, that infringe upon the liberties of the people of this planet. And believe it or not, it is a trial period because there is a more deep and more intense law that's going to be passed very, 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 very soon. But that law, the way people are moving, they're moving in darkness. They're moving in darkness. The, the movements are being made to silence those who are speaking truth for this time. Just real quickly, so and just as an example, and it could be a mistake. Facebook could just be making a mistake. Literally, Facebook has shut down my ability to share on their platforms. Like right now, I, I can only type in certain things. I can't share a link. I can't even share a happy emoji with my wife. They've, they've limited my movements because someone complained and said that my preaching was offensive or something like that. My friends, I'm quite sure they're probably going to change their mind or something once the complaints come in. But my friends, I'm saying this to you because right now, these laws, these restrictions, these limitations that are being practiced will be practiced more deliberately on those who are seeking to follow after God. So it was with Daniel, so it will be with the faithful in our day. Okay, let's go a little bit further. I want to show you something else here. Back in Daniel, we're going to Daniel chapter 6. We're looking at verse number uh, 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, this is important because Daniel could have went in his closet. He could have hid. He could have, he could have gone somewhere else to pray and maintain his faithfulness to God somewhere else. But he literally refused to obey this law and opened his window at other times and prayed towards Jerusalem. Now, you guys know why he prayed towards Jerusalem. The, the Bible in the, the Song of Solomon Song of Solomon, not Song of Solomon, Solomon, when he prayed and he was dedicating the temple, he said if God's people were ever in apostasy and they turned to Jerusalem and they would pray, God said to him, I will hear their prayers and I will send the blessings from heaven. So Daniel was simply praying towards the temple, praying towards where God was, praying towards what what the Bible had instructed him to do, and he was not going to let anybody or anything infringe upon his religious liberty. That makes sense? He's not letting anyone infringe upon his religious liberty, and he openly, openly 
worshiped his God, openly worshiped his God. Now, listen, every difficulty is a call to prayer. So how many difficulties have you had today? How many times have you gone back to God to pr in prayer? Every difficulty is a call to prayer. Did your wife get on your nerves? That was a call to prayer. <laughs> Did your husband get on your nerves? Well, that was a call to prayer. What about your child? Did your child do something to you that frustrated your soul? That was a call to prayer. How about a bill came in and you don't know how to pay for it? That is a call to prayer. Every difficulty is a call to prayer. And a call to prayer, let me say it in a different way. Every difficulty is a call for fellowship with the Most High. And Daniel went straight into fellowship as soon as he heard about the law. He did not hesitate. There was no compromise in his position. As soon as he heard the law, I'm going to my, I'm going to my prayer window. I'm opening it wide. I'm praying towards Jerusalem like I always would. And my friends, the wicked were looking. I remember the, 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 uh, the Bible story books I had, and I had the, the guys who had down there in the bushes looking up at, at Daniel <laughs> to see if he's going to pray. They knew he was going to pray. They watched him day and night. They saw no sin in his life. They saw no evil in his experience. They knew, like clockwork, he was going to be faithful to God. That's why they designed that law that way. That's why they did that. Watch this. Let's go a little further with this. Watch what it says. The Bible says, Verse 11, then these men assembled. So they gathered. There's a union. They, they were united in their des desire to eliminate Daniel. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. I mean, in our day, all they got to do is track what, we do, what our cell phones are. They just got to go. On. <laughs> they got to go. Where, where's his web browser go? You know, they, they, listen, brothers, they have a whole cache of information on us. I wonder if they looked at that cache of inf information, would they say, holy man, holy woman? <laughs> would they say, ungodly man, we don't have to worry about him or her? Oh, I pray, brothers and sisters, that from this point going forward, if you're listening to me now, if the grace of God has been upon you and we are here together listening right now, from this day going forward, may our lives be baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ. May our spirit be filled with the Holy Ghost so that our lives are righteous and pure before him. Notice the Bible says, verse 12, Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed the decree that a... Every man that shall ask a petition of any God or men within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, the thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter of not. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. You see how they tried to do that? <laughs> they made it sound like, king, he's done this against you. They knew it wasn't about the king the whole time. King, is, it's all about you, man. He's just disrespectful. The, the, the symboling lips, brothers and sisters, the lying tongue. I'll never forget, I, I was in church one day. 
and I'm sitting in the back of the church. I've told this story many times. I'm sitting in the back of the church. So it was early. It was before church started. I was, got there early. It's kind of just think and meditate, and I'm just there talking to God. I'm sitting in the back of the church uh, right by the doors that open. And the doors, the doors are open, and I hear, I, I literally, I'm sitting there, and I hear people in the foyer, and they are, they are talking, and I'm, and I'm not really trying to pay attention, but you know, when your name is mentioned, you know how your ears kind of just go, and they kind of wrap around, because you hear your name, just like, what's going on? <laughs> so I literally hear my name being mentioned, and I, so my name mentioned, so my ears go back there, and they say, man. That fanatic, Andre Waller. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? What did I do? <laughs> I try to. I'm trying to live right. I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm not trying to beat nobody over the head with anything. That fanatic, Andre Waller. I'm, I'm listening. They were done. They came in. They came into the church now, and they see me sitting there. Do you know what they did? I promise you, this happened in real life. Do you know what they did? They came to me and they said. Well, happy Sabbath, Brother Waller. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. These people were just talking about me in a negative way. They thought I wasn't there behind my back. And then they see me and then they're like, happy Sabbath. So nice to see you. Are you kidding me? The symboling lips. One of the things God hates, brothers and sisters. Those who sow, sow discord in the body of believers. God hates that. And so you have these men who are saying, oh, king, it's all about you, man. It's, I mean, he disrespecting you. It was never about the king in the first place. But these men knew the character of the king so much so, they knew that he was prideful so much so, that they manipulated his ego to pass a law that will hurt his friends. And I look, I, and not to say that this will happen with this president but listen this could happen with our president you know our president does have an ego if you stroke his ego he's he talks all nice about you if you talk bad about him he's trying to kill you you know it's but that's the human nature i'm not trying to speak bad about the president trump everybody has issues but it's human nature the manipulation of leaders happens all the time so I'm watching this, brothers and sisters, and that's why we have to be so careful that we're not lifted up when somebody gives us praise and we're not taken down when somebody criticizes us. We maintain an even keel, an even mind. Because Jesus, when he was on planet Earth, just because somebody said, oh, Hosanna, that didn't lift him up there. And when they said crucify him, that didn't take him down there for the same voices cried the same things. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters. The applause of men or the downgrading of men is not our motivation. Our motivation is faithfulness to the God that has loved us with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. Let's go a little further. Watch this. The Bible goes on to say, verse 13, Then answered they and said Behold, before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Oh, did you see that there too? You see how they belittled Daniel? Daniel of the captivity. Now, how long ago was Daniel taken captive? He's 80-something years old in chapter 6. So you're talking about 70-something years ago, Daniel was taken captive, and you're still referring to him as a captive? 
Come on now. There, this, maybe I might be reading that. Maybe they're just thinking about him just being captive out of Babylon, but I don't think that's, that's it. Because even before in Daniel chapter three, remember Daniel, actually Daniel chapter two, the Chaldeans who are spying on uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refer to them as the captives from Jerusalem, right? And even in, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's this constant reference as to where he was taken from as if that makes him small. And again, that's why you can't be lifted up or put down. Somebody says, oh, you're a, you're a Christian? Or whatever denomination you're from, you're that? And they belittle it. Let it be. Don't take offense to that. Let it, let it alone. God will deal with them. God will deal with them. Watch this. Verse 14. Then the, king, then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So the king is like pulling out all the books, trying to figure out exactly how legally he could, you know, get him out of the situation, but he can't find nothing. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Mm. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. So get this. So before Daniel goes in, the king is trying to do all in his power not to put Daniel in. But legally, he has no, no other position to take but to follow what what the law to meet his persons are so he puts them in it says <laughs> and cast them into the den of lions then it says now the king spake and said unto daniel thy god whom thou service continually he will what's it say deliver thee now this is interesting because what this does it gives you a a view into how God sees the faithfulness of Daniel and the impact of those who will be faithful in the last days to the extent that there will be some in leadership position of great authority in our world who will see the faithfulness of God's people and will in the end ultimately convert. Are you following? Are you following? So the faithfulness of Daniel in his old age was a means of causing a new believer to come in. There has never been a time in the experience of the Christian that he has been persecuted without there being a fruit that comes from that persecution. You follow what I'm saying? Let me say it a different way. You know, during the dark ages, there were several hundred of millions of persons, 50 to 100 million people died. In the book, Great Controversy, it says the blood of martyrs was seed. In other words, the shedding of the blood of a believer had a purpose. That purpose was to bring other believers in. So that faithfulness under fire, that faithfulness under discouragement, that faithfulness when things seem to be going wrong will bear fruit, not only in our experience, but in those who are watching our experience. Does that make sense? So just like if we live a, a bad life, it will have a, a, a negative uh, impact on those who look at Christianity. 
so it is if you live a righteous life, it will have a positive impact on those who are watching Christianity. My relationship with the banker, either it's good or bad, if I have a good relationship and I'm reflecting righteousness, it has a eternal impact. We are not islands. We are not alone. We have influence beyond our perception at times. It's interesting. You know, when, when we do these recordings, some of you I know, some of you I don't know, but the influence of what I say, the life that I'm, the words that I'm trying to speak to you, they are going to have a ripple effect. I know that, and you're going to share with someone else. And as someone ministers to me, it impacts me. What they do to me impacts someone else. That is a design of God. So this king literally says, you're God, he will deliver you. <laughs> I love it. I, I wonder, and you know, it causes me to think a little bit. I wonder what the experience of Daniel and the king was like before the lion's den, I wonder how often they would sit and talk to each other. You know, if you, if you look at the historical books, Darius was about 62 years old when he conquered Babylon, Darius and Cyrus. So Cyrus, Darius is the uncle of Cyrus. And so, or Darius is another way of saying it. So Darius is the uncle, uncle of Cyrus and Darius is about 62. So Daniel's about 80 something. So you get 20 years. So it's like a, it's like a, 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 father-son relationship with that 20-year you know, disparity as far as age is concerned. And I'm wondering how their conversations were like, how they interacted with each other. It must have been very deep and intimate for the king to come out and say, the God who you serve, he will deliver you. But it says in verse 17, and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. But whose seal is it? It's the signet and seal of a king, but it's a mortal king. You follow? Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music. Interesting. Neither were instruments of music. Huh. Neither were instruments of music. Uh, played, brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? That's the question. So he's, he's asking into the pit where the lions were. He had hope that this was true. Verse 21 said, Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Now for a moment, let's think about what was just stated. I'll read it one more time so we don't miss it. It says, my God have sent his angel and have shut the lion's mouth the lion's mouths 
that they have not hurt me. Why? Why has he done this? Why? For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So he's saying in the eyes of God and in the eyes, you, in your own eyes, I have done nothing to deserve what's transpired. Now, why is this important? Because in the last days, those who live in these final hours of his history, God intends that these persons have no fault. Now, watch this. I'm going I'm to take you to several passages. I want you to pay close attention. Revelation. Actually, before we go there, I'm going to take you to another place. Before we go there, let me take you, let me take you to, I believe it's Peter. Bible. There we go. Let me do this. I'm going to do this. Watch this, brothers and sisters. This is powerful. This is powerful. This is found. I want you to go with me to the book of First Peter, chapter two, and verse twenty-two. All right, I'm already there. First Peter, chapter two, and verse twenty-two. Watch this. First Peter. Chapter 2, and actually, let's start at verse number 21. It says, For even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us. So Christ suffered for us, leaving us, and what's it say? An example that ye should do what? Follow in his steps. So he left us an example that we shall follow in his steps. Watch. Who did no sin. What did he do? No sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Mm. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth how? Righteously. Mm, mm, mm. who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto what to say righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed so powerful okay stay with me for a moment there was no God in his mouth he lived righteously. He lived godly. But in his mouth was found no guile. Now, go with me to another passage. I want you to go to Revelation now. Revelation chapter, chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Watch carefully. Revelation chapter 14. And we're looking carefully at verse number 1 and verse number 2 and verse number 3. Verse number four, the Bible says, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand having their father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of great thunder. 
And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Interesting. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits unto God and, and, and unto the Lamb. And in their mouth was found, what's it say? No guile. No guile. So no guile in their mouth. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 5, no guile in Jesus' mouth who is our example, according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. And now I want to go one more place. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. But this is where 1 Peter actually kind of quotes from. Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah 53 is the chapter of the suffering servant. Speaking of our Lord, the Bible says Isaiah 53, and there's so much to read here. But let's just start at, let's just read verse one. The Bible says, who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he should grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I mean, that's a whole nother sermon, brothers and sisters. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Stay with me. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his, what's it say? Mouth. Deceit in his mouth? That's guile, brothers and sisters. Jesus died having never had anything in his heart that would reflect guile or lies. And in the last days, no guile is found in our mouths as there was no guile found in Daniel. Are you following? Daniel said, I am innocent. The father has looked upon me and he's looked upon my life and I am innocent. My life is a reflection of my yielding to God. Now watch this. Jude. Go to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. This is one of those books. Seldom study. It's only one chapter. <laughs> One chapter in the book of Jude. Watch this, brothers and sisters. Look at verse number 24. Jude 24. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to, what's it say? Keep you from falling. 
and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what kind of joy? Exceeding joy to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So here's the idea. Literally, Daniel says, the angel was sent from heaven and kept me in the lion's den because there was no deceit in me. There was no guile in me. I have been found innocent before the most high. And God is telling him, God is, he's communicating this, this principle to Daniel so Daniel can tell the king why he has been judged and found innocent, not by the courts of men. For the, Listen, the courts of men will lie on you in the near future. The courts of men will betray you in the near future, brothers and sisters. This should not come as a shock to the believer. The believer will be persecuted. We will be prosecuted. There will be those who tell lies. But let me tell you something right now. At no point does that give us a reason to clap back, to spit on them back, to raise up in self back. God is seeking to design a people that when sped upon, when lied upon, they will follow the lamb. What did the lamb do? As a sheep before his shearers is dumb, he did not open his mouth. He did not speak an unkind word. Well, that's practice, right? We get to practice that today. Somebody's going to do something to you that's going to tick you off. It's going to set you into a place where you want to deal with them. You're going to have an opportunity today, an opportunity where someone's going to come to you and want to gossip and lie. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm not about that. I'm preparing for something greater where I can represent my Lord both now and in the future. You don't just come up to the crisis and have a character like Jesus. There is a day-by-day fight with self that is a yielding process so God can do an amazing work in us. Are you following? Because if you don't make the adjustments, many are going to come into this final crisis and find themselves betraying their brothers and sisters. They're literally, I'm going to show you a text in the Bible that literally tells, shows, and the prophet tells us that this text is a symbol of those in the last days who betray their brothers and sisters. But let's, 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 let's go back to Daniel for a moment. Go back to Daniel. I'm running out of time. Go back to Daniel. I haven't even shown you the, the, uh, the chart that I made. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that chart in a minute. Go back to Daniel chapter six. Okay. Back to Daniel 6. Back, back to Daniel 6. And there in Daniel 6, we're looking now at verse 23. It says, Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Notice up out of the den, out, up out of the pit. And no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. The king, the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. Now, who's the accuser of the brethren? That's the devil and Satan. And watch this. I'm going to say this to you because literally I, this will not be the last time you hear something like this. But there are many who make their whole ministry about accusing the brethren. Their whole ministry is about exposing sin amongst the brethren and not lifting up Jesus. That's the whole, ministry. That's the whole intent of what's going on in their ministries. No, brothers and sisters. God has no desire for anything like that. None at all. None at all. Lift up Jesus. Are you hearing me? He is the only solution to our problems. 
lift up Jesus. Does that mean we don't call out sin when we see it? No, that doesn't mean we don't call it out. We call out sin. When we call out sin, we call out the solution. Who's the solution? Jesus. Where's Jesus at? In the heavenly places. Where in the heavenly places? Well, he's in the most holy place. What's he doing in the most holy place? He is in the cleansing process, or a better word, he's in the restoration process. He is redeeming us. He is separating sin from the sinner. That's what he's doing right now in heaven. These men that intended to use this lie to destroy God's children, these men are thrown in the very pit designed for the destruction of Daniel. Notice the Bible says, now, verse 23 again, the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast him, cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them. Watch this, brothers and sisters. And break all their bones in pieces. Or ever they came at the bottom of the den. So before they threw the families in, before they even got to the bottom, the lions have broken the bones of every single solitary person before it hit the bottom. Now, you can't tell me my God is not real. You know, there's a song we used to sing when I was little, and I haven't got the tune right, but it had to do with something to the effect of my God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth. You remember that song? Shut the lion's mouth. <laughs> we can't fight against what's coming against us, brothers and sisters. We can't do it ourselves. This last great crisis will have full one gajillion percent dependency upon God. But we must learn to practice that dependency now. And that's a little scary because that means I have to let go of control, right? That means I have to literally say, God, you take my heart for I cannot give it as your property. Keep it for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me from myself, my weak, unchristlike self. We have to come to that place where we're literally dependent wholly upon God. And God is going to bring us, that is his intent. That's why he's telling us this story. Daniel didn't just wake up one day and got thrown into a lion's den. Daniel, day by day, moment by moment, faithfulness to God prepares you to stand when all others are bowing down to the beast-like power. So before the bones got to the bottom, before the bodies got to the bottom, the bones were broken. Verse 25, then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in, the, in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree. <laughs> I make a decree. We've heard this before, right? And all the other stories, when God wins, there's a decree given. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, Men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Doesn't that sound like the first angel's message? Fear God. Give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come. Mm, mm, mm. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every domain of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is, for he is, what's it say? The living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed that sounds like daniel too right 
and his dominion shall be even unto the end. You have a king literally preaching God's message. Huh. He delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who have delivered Daniel from the power of the lion's den. This is in the decree, brothers and sisters. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, my friends, these stories are not given to us by accident. Like, I, I challenge you, go back and read every story and ask God, please. I mean, go back and listen to the podcast. Go back and listen to the videos we did already. Go back and restudy these stories. These stories are profound. Let me show you something now. See if I can, if I can bring it up here. Show you my screen. Not that. This. All right, so those of you who are listening on the podcast, you can't see this, but I will describe what's happening here. I have a series called Prophet Stories. I'm working on it, still developing it. But in this particular prophet story, I've compared Daniel 3 and Daniel 6. In Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1.9. So there are no new things under the sun. So that's why I'm saying every story literally tells us what's about to happen or what is happening. There's no such thing as something new under the sun. So coronavirus is not new, brothers and sisters. Disease and pestilence is not new, brothers and sisters. Wars and rumors of wars are not new, brothers and sisters. What is new is you and me on planet Earth. <laughs> what is new is our decision today, right now, tonight, for God. So you'll notice on the, on the parallels here, I have a comparison between Daniel 3 and Daniel 6. And in Daniel 3 and 6, I have a, on the left-hand side, I have test, punishment, spies, deliverance, leadership acknowledges God. There's a message, and there are punishers receive their own punishment. So those who sought to destroy become the destroyed. All right? So in Daniel 3, there was a test. What was the test in Daniel 3? The test in Daniel 3 was an image set up by man. So every, every time you read Daniel 3, it says the image which Nebuchadnezzar set up, the image which the king has set up. So Daniel 3 has an image as a test. Daniel, I mean, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were the ones tested with Daniel 3. In Daniel 6, Daniel is tested. And what's, what's the test in Daniel 6? Man worship. Worship the king as a deity. Worship the king as a god. We don't worship anybody but who God says to worship. Amen? Then we have punishment. What's the punishment? Here, I, I spelled furnished wrong. Let me spell furnished correctly. What's the, what's the per, fun? Actually, this looks like I spelled it right. What's the punishment for image worship if you don't worship the image? Well, if you don't worship the image, you're thrown in a fiery furnace, right? If you don't do man worship in Daniel 6, you're thrown in a lion's den. You see that? So there's a test. There's a threatening of your life, and there are spies. Well, the spies in Daniel 3 were the Chaldeans. Those are original leadership from that area. Those were the ones that were spying. In Daniel 6, who were the spies? Well, they were the presidents and the princes. They were the leadership. Again, it's the leadership spying on these men. Well, deliverance. In Daniel 3, 
in the fiery furnace, the Son of God came down. In the fiery furnace, the Son of God came down in the furnace to deliver his children. In Daniel 6, watch this, brothers and sisters, an angel comes down from heaven. Are you paying attention? <laughs> in Daniel 6, an angel comes down from heaven and shuts the lion's mouth. Both the Son of God comes down from heaven and the angel comes down from heaven to deliver God's children. What do we find? The leadership acknowledges God. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3 and King Darius in Daniel 6. We have at the end of this, we have the message to all nations. Every time there's a deliverance in Daniel 3, there's a message to all nations to honor the, the true living God. In Daniel 6, same thing, message to the entire kingdom that no one speak ill, they should fear the God of Daniel, so forth and so on. In Daniel 3, those who grab the three Hebrew boys to throw them in the furnace, they die. In Daniel 6, those who were conspiring to kill Daniel were thrown into the lion's den and they died. That which was intended to destroy and kill God's people ultimately destroyed those who were, uh, who were against them. Okay. I see your hand. I'll take your hand in a minute. All right. So notice this, this is a parallel Daniel three and Daniel six is telling the same story. It's telling it in different ways. Are you following? Telling the same story. It's just telling the story in different ways. Okay, so now let's go a little bit further. I've made a third comparison now. I've added a third part to this chart. And this chart takes in our day. It takes in our time. So notice again, test, punishment, spies, deliverance. There's acknowledgement. There's a message, and the punisher becomes the punished. So in Revelation chapter 13, chapter 13 through chapter 19, we have the, the test. What is the test? The test is the image to the beast. It is beast worship. Those who worship the beast in his image or receive his mark in his forehead or in his name or in his head. That is the test. What is the punishment? Well, if you don't wish the beast in his image or receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, you are going to be killed. You will not be able to be buy or sell, and you're going to be killed. Same thing. Or who are the spies? Who are the covenant breakers? I mean, who are the spies? Well, in Daniel 3, Chaldeans, Daniel 6, president and princes, Revelation 13, kings, leaders, and I have covenant breakers here for a moment. Open your Bible. Let me, let me come off the chart for a second. Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 11. Open your Bible to Daniel chapter 11. Now, Daniel 11, we are going to at some point study. Uh, but right now, I'm just going to focus in on a particular segment of it. In Daniel 11, and we're looking at verse, I'm going to say, not verse, okay, let me go back, 31, 32. Let me go back to verse 32. Now, you don't have to believe this part because I am not, I'm not proving it, but I would encourage you to take it seriously and go do your own research. So verse 32, 
I'm going to start reading 30, verse 30. I'm, starting, I'm going to start reading at verse 30, Daniel 11, verse 30. The Bible says, For the ships of Shittim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. What is indignation? It's like anger, right? So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. So intelligence with them, in other words, he's going to make a connection. He's going to connect with those who forsake the covenant. Those who have the covenant are the believers, all right? So those who forsake the covenant are those who look like believers, but they've forsaken the covenant and they enter into a league with a power that is not of God, okay? That's the summary without going into detail. Jump down to verse number 32. It says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. You see that? Corruption comes through flattery, just like the king in Daniel 6 was corrupted because these guys flattered him and said, you're, you're like a God. Let nobody worship anything else for 30 days, okay? But corrupted by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, verse 32 is talking about the Dark Ages, believe it or not, and the Reformation. But we're, again, you don't have to believe me. At some point, I'll prove it to you later. Verse 33. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. That means they're teaching the gospel. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be helped with a little help. But many shall cleave unto them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed, okay? So in this passage, you have the faithful, and then you have those who have forsaken the covenant. Those who forsake the covenant are those who were once believers, but now have turned their backs. And we're told by inspiration that this section, verses 31 to 35, will be repeated in our day, meaning that there will be persons who are supposed to be believers, but will ultimately turn against those of their own faith. All right, let me share my screen now. So going back here. So we have image worship, image and beast worship. You will not be able to buy or sell, or you're going to be killed if you don't worship the beast in his image or receive his mark in his forehead, in your forehead or in your hand. The kings of the earth, and also persons who are part of us, but have not been sanctified by the truth. Great Controversy, page 608 says, as the storm approaches, a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message, but have not been sanctified by obedience to the truth, abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition. By uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit, they have come to view matters in nearly the same light. And when the test is brought, they are prepared to choose the easy, popular side. Then it says, men of talent and pleasing address who once rejoiced in the truth, abandoned their positions and joined the ranks of the opposition. Now, brothers and sisters, that is going to happen. We have seen it in the stories. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the only way that we're going to make it in those times is resolute assurance and rest in Jesus. Now, I don't say these things to scare you because I'm not, listen, I'll say this this way. I am not afraid 
of the last days. I'm more so concerned of whether or not I have yielded everything I need to yield. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Like, I'm not afraid of being tortured. I'm not afraid of somebody, you know, being in court and giving an answer for my faith. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. In my mind, I just, I desire in my heart to be one of those that God says I can trust him in this time frame. I, I want that. I, I, I want, I want to be a part of that special group that vindicates God's honor when all the world has turned his back on him. Do I know what's going to happen to me? No. Do I, do I know, do I know if every, all I want, all I want, <laughs> all I want is just, I just want to honor God. And I know to a great degree, there's work to be done in my own heart. Right. And I know to a great degree, you would agree with me. There's work to be done in your own heart. So there's spies. Then there's deliverance in Daniel three. The deliverance came with the son of God coming into a fiery furnace. In Daniel 6, the angel shut the lion's mouth. And in Revelation 13 through 19, there's a seal of God. That seal, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost. But that seal is manifested by faithfulness to God's law, especially the fourth commandment. Now, when one is sealed, their decision is sealed. Their eternal life is sealed. They are not, there's no damnation in their experience. There may be death, but when that, when that final probationary call is made, remember I told you that a believer, if he were to die or if he's persecuted, in that time frame when that persecution or death comes, there is a purpose to death. There is a purpose to that faithfulness. But brothers and sisters, when probation closes, there's no more salvation for men. That means death will not come upon the believer during that time frame because death will, will serve no purpose. So the seal of God, when it comes, when probation, when probation closes, that seal protects them through that time. But when people are sealed before probation closes, their death still is a means of bringing souls in. So whether I live or whether I die, I want to honor God. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that's your desire. I want to honor God, whether I live or whether I die. If I die in Christ, I'm sealed. If I live in Christ, I'm sealed. When it's all said and done, we're, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? And that this message of the third angel, amplified by the fourth angel of Revelation chapter, four, chapter 18, goes to the entire world. And guess what? Just like the soldiers died in the fire, just like the conspirators, conspirators died in the pit, so it is the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet will be destroyed in a lake of fire. And also, it, it says in Revelation chapter seven, cha 17 that the, the beast, the conglomerate beast, goes into a bottomless pit, both fire and a pit, just like Daniel 3 and Daniel 6. You see, my friends, these stories are simply prophecies to tell us what's going to happen in the future. And the character that we need to possess while we are in that time is a character that we can have and develop today. Character doesn't happen overnight. Character is developed over time, moment by moment, day by day. And we have time, brothers and sisters. We have time now. God has provided ample opportunity, ample time to learn to commune with him.
to learn how to walk with him, to learn how to talk with him, to learn how to depend upon him. Now is that time. Now is that time. I want to read a passage to you. Notice this in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13, watch this. And it says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his heads, the name blasphemy. And all this, brothers and sisters, we're going to get into detail later. But right now I'm just dealing with the principle. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And the Bible says, how much of the world wondered after the beast? And all the world wondered after the beast. Not some of the world. All the world wondered after the beast. That's why I love John 17. Do you know what Jesus says about those who, who are connected with him? He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You, yes. So if you're of the word of God, then you're not of the world. But all the world wonders after the beast. <laughs> it says, and they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? You see that the pride? Just like Goliath, he comes out. They're like, who can fight this man? Who is able to make war against Goliath? Who is able to make war against this beast power that comes up from the sea? Who is able to make war? And I love the Bible answer. There is only one that can make war. Stay with me. There's only one that can make war. And I tell you, he's never lost a fight. I, I have a list here, just a few, 10 examples of all these fights that God's people have been in. When they fought against the Amalekites, Moses raised his, his arms to heaven and Israel won that fight. At Ai, God won that fight as well. After fixing the plunder issue, God commands Joshua to attack and give strategic commands. It, uh, he went against the Amorites in, Josh, in, Josh, in uh, Joshua 10, 1 through 13, where it says, God says that he will defeat them, throws them into confusion, sends hell from, hell storms from the sky, the sun stands still until the battle is finished. Joshua chapter 10, verses 28 to 43, there's a list of conquered cities as God is fighting with his children. It says in verse 42 of Joshua chapter 10, Joshua captured all these kings in their land in one campaign. Why? Because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Y'all not hearing this thing. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the, the people of God had to fight the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Minuites, and they won. What happens? In Joshua 20, I mean, Second Chronicles 20, verses 21 to 23, it says the nation will fast it. Jehoshaphat prays and tells them that they will not even have to fight in this battle. Judah lines up and sings praises to God, and God causes the enemy to fight against themselves and kill each other. Y'all not hearing this thing. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 6, Israel fights against Amram. What happened? God gives tactical direction as Aram sends men after Elisha, but God blinds them in 2 Kings chapter 6. <laughs> in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 24 to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 16, again, Amram beseeches Samaria. God says he will break the siege and the hunger. God causes the Amarians to hear the sound of a large army, and they all run away. Again, God wins. In Joshua chapter 6, 
at Jericho, what happens? God wins again. They march around once every day for six days. And on the seventh day, they march around seven times. They blow a trumpet and the walls come tumbling down. Now, my friends, listen to me. Those walls did not come down because they blew a trumpet. Those walls came down because angels from heaven came and assisted the faithfulness of their obedience, brothers and sisters. God wins every fight. I love Exodus chapter 15, where, where Pharaoh and his hosts are drowned in the Red Sea. God's people didn't have to fight. God fought that battle. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, the Bible describes death being defeated. Jesus raises from the grave, and he ever lives to intercede for us today. So the question is, who is able to make war? That's what they ask in Revelation 13, verse 4. Here is the answer in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Come on now. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Lord will fight for us. The Lord is our captain. Come on. Brothers and sisters, this is so good. It's so good. We try to fight our own battles, and God is the one that's with us in all of it. In all of it. There is not one struggle that you have now that he is not there for you in. He is our captain. He is my captain. He is my king. He is my Lord. And oh, for the faithfulness, brothers and sisters, of just clinging to him no matter how I feel. Sometimes I just don't feel it. You know, I don't know if you ever felt that way. I just don't feel it. Some days I don't feel it. But that's why we have to recount. That's why we have to put these things ever before us. That's why we have to remember what God has already done. So when these trials do come, we can recount, we can remember, and we can put before him, before our minds, that God is good. He is so good. He is so good. Brothers and sisters, if you don't mind, let's bow our heads. Let's submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the King of the universe. Let's ask him, to take full control of our hearts and our minds and our souls and let's give him what we have been slow to give him. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for your extreme patience, your love, your tenderness towards us. Lord, we're living in some precarious times. Things seem to be ramping up very, very quickly. But Lord, there's no need for anxiety or stress as we are trusting in you. Where we are not trusting, Father, help us to trust and believe. Where we are holding on to secret sin, Father, help us to release those secret sins. Please, Lord. More of Jesus, more of the revelation of your dear son. Please, we are living in these crazy times. 
We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My brothers and sisters, thank you for jumping on tonight. I did see a raised hand. Uh, if you had a question, just put it in the question section so I can see it. If you have a question, just, just put it in the question section. There's a question and, question and answer part that I can see if you have a question. If not, I will get you guys the Bible lesson. Yes, Brother Michael, you have a good night too, my man. I will get you, I'll send you guys the Bible lesson um, Friday. That gives me a little time, along with the chart that I have here. I'll be happy to share that with you guys. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. God bless you. You have a wonderful evening. Good night.